July 20, 1944 was a sweltering day at Germany's Eastern Front headquarters, near the town known as Rostenburg, East Prussia. Weather was always a factor in war, but even though there was no battle that night, the unpleasant heat would alter the course of history. Today, we're talking about the plot to kill Hitler. This is Casual History. Welcome back, Jeffrey, for another episode of Casual History. How are you doing? That's right. I'm doing good. Good. I'm actually speaking in the mic this time so we can record this. Yep. That works for me. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. So, obviously, you heard the intro. I did. Uh, We are going to be discussing the, uh, spoiler alert, because history is history, but the attempt on Hitler's life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I know a a little bit, tiny bit. Oh yeah, um, only because I think I've seen a few movies, but that's right. There's there's famous movies about it. Yeah, I just in my mind I picture a boardroom and one guy at the end of the boardroom and Hitler on the other side yeah. and a bomb going off or there's a plot of some sort. Yeah, man. Um, but see, in my mind, I always um always had it that there was lookalikes of Hitler, or oh. there was um that he had. I don't know if you're gonna get into that, but there was. Oh yeah. Okay, good. Because there, in my mind, I couldn't remember if it killed a fake Hitler, which was one of those like what? I don't, I don't. Very little, yes. Very little known, but that's kind of off the top of my head when oh, I think of that. This is gonna make this fun. Uh, I actually told Jeffrey before we started the podcast to pull up a few references. Uh, one of a very important person, uh, in this story, which is Klaus von uh. Stauffenberg? Stauffenberg. Yes, yes, correct. Klaus or There's going to be a lot of names where I struggle today, so just please forgive me, because uh, there's a lot of German names uh, that I have trouble pronouncing. But yes, Klaus von uh, Stauffenberg. Cool. And then uh, I also told him to pull up the Bunker Aftermath picture, which right. we will post in Twitter mm-hmm. after this whole thing's over. Uh, but I thought they were really good references for this. Okay. Good things to look at if you guys want to on our... We always try to post little tidbits of different pictures or things we're referencing when we're talking on our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, really. That's right. Um, it's all under Casual X History for Heck those yeah. who uh, want to do that. Yeah. Well, so on July 20th, 1944. Oh, we're starting. Okay. Yes, yeah, we're, we're starting. the story. <laughs> we got it. We got to get started. You know what I mean? We okay. got to. Uh, so someone did make a call that it was too hot. Uh, of a day to hold like a high level meeting in a concrete bunker, which is where Hitler normally took all his high level meetings. How how far into the war was this? Like, are we? A few this is 1944. Years? 1944. Yeah, so okay. a couple of years in. This is after the invasion of Poland. Okay. After all this stuff. Okay. Um, there was I did read about there was another attempt on his life by a carpenter, but I don't know that full story yet. Previously. Previously. Before this, I believe attempt. so. Yes. So he's already got a little bit of um. Oh, yeah. He's already a man that's uh, a little bit on the run. But, yes, so they had uh, a moment where someone made the decision, higher-ups, that, like, it's way too hot here to have this meeting here. And they ended up having it in a a wooden, like, building not too far from the bunker. Okay. But it's, like, fully wooden, has windows, which it says uh, you would think would make uh, the Nazis would be more vulnerable there instead of their fortified bunker. But the change in venue may have saved Hitler's life. So on this day, it was going to be the culmination of an assassination plot by the German resistance, including several high-ranking officers and civilians that had been years in the making. You don't hear very much about that. What? About, like, the resistance? In the turmoil within the country or within Germany. Well, you Um, have to imagine, like, he did have, again, he rallied so many people with his rhetoric, but there had to be people that, like, were turned off by it. Well, that's that's what I'm uh, referencing is like, you know, a lot of people talk about and there's um, like, what would you do type situations? And, yeah. and it's how easy it is for humanity to fall into being like Same an traps. accomplice of that just by letting it happen. But you, we don't, at least I haven't ever really read about or maybe it hasn't been something I've looked up, but the turmoil, the people that, like you said, if there's a German resistance, obviously there was enough... Um, anti-Hitler within yes. the country to try to get rid of the guy. Well, there's a fascinating subject that I didn't realize either, too, because, like, 
again, I, it makes sense that there were higher ups that felt this way that were a part of a group as well. Mm -hmm. But I found it very interesting that, uh, I mean, not to like jump too far into the story, but, uh, one of the higher ups that led the charge in this assassination attempt didn't know what was happening to the Jews until he was very high rank. And that's what, what kind of turned him maybe. And that's kind of what solidified him towards like, I have to be all out. Like we have to try. Interesting. And so like what, cause see to me, it was in my mind, it was, yeah, to me, it was like, it was a known thing. This was his rhetoric for everybody. Like, Hey, this is what we're doing. Yeah. And you know, this is just what you do. And if you join us, you're, it's because you believe that. Well, he touted in the elitism, like of him being right. Of course they're, um, sure. Right. The higher, or whatever the higher being, or the, uh, civilization, not civilization. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, like I, the, what's uh, the word, the, the perfect human race, I guess. Yeah. Human race. Sorry. Yes. Um, he touted that, but I even, so I went through a phase and I watched, there's a couple of good documentaries on Netflix called World War II in Color. Yes. Um, there's like two, two versions of it, um, uh, but I, I watched through a whole series of it and I mem- remember thinking like about six episodes in, right? Um, and it's like a 12 part series. Mm-hmm. They didn't get to the the aftermath of the Holocaust that was happening because right. it really wasn't well known till the end which is crazy to me yeah like that that reading this whole story again and i i will admit that i don't know enough about world war ii as much as i should maybe i can shed some i know a few i know key battle points like again it's all i was pretty into it just because i love the uh i just i felt like i wanted to know it was one of those things in my mind where you have a brief overview you know in my mind i was taught you know hitler you taught the kind of general rules of world war ii outlines that's all i know right it's a general and so it does a really good job if you're interested. If anybody's out there who's interested, it's like I recommend it highly. Yeah, I'll have um, to go check that out myself. It's really, actually. really good. But um, I mean, it's it's horrible. As in the it's actually uses actual footage. So like you wow. see real footage that was taken during these times. Oh wow! Um, but it's really um, I feel like it's something people should know about. I feel like people should do the research to know why yeah. did humanity get to this point. You know, I think it's yeah. just good for not, people to know. Again, not to go down the rabbit hole, but I mean, that's what these discussions are for. Sorry about that. Uh, for these kind of weeks. But like the rabbit hole of um, the idea of Hitler too. Like again, all these, all these things in history, uh, they always shock me when I look them up just because how recent they are. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know about you, but again, like it Hitler, always feels when you grow away. up hearing the word Hitler and Nazis is... Uh, associated with something that like isn't attached to me, and so it feels distant. If that's yes, what you mean. It, it feels, feels distant, removed. and its own it's its own thing that it became something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know more about what the name implies than I, I don't I don't know. Then actually seeing and hearing the actual atrocities and seeing the actual humanity of it, like it yeah. happens today. Right. Like it always is put at a distance from you at an arm's reach, where it yeah. can kind of feel glossy. And we're talking about the forties. Like yeah. that's not a long. That's not like. Mm-hmm. A long, long time ago, this one person, this e- very evil person lived. Yeah. Like, this person was pretty, like, it relatively close. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, close, it's yeah. hard. It just, the more I research, the more that it hits me how close we are to these Within 100 years, moments. man. Yeah. Which is wild. Yeah. Freaking wild. But, uh, yes. Uh, Back to the. Sorry, to continue. No, you, to continue. Good. Yeah. Um, the plan was codenamed Valkyrie. So there is a, I believe there is a movie. Let me look up the term of that. Keep going. Yes. I was just about to explain the term. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. Valkyrie is a German World War II emergency continu- uh, continuity of the government operations planned issued by the Territorial Reserve Army of Germany. So basically it is a contingency plan for um, when they do take out the major leaders of uh, the army, mm-hmm. like this is what the government would be. Right. So basically they built a code name for a plan of like, hey, this is what the government's going to look like once Hitler's gone. The government within the government. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like a backup government. Mm-hmm. Um, so to execute, implement the case of uh, general breakdown, the civil order of the nation. So failure of the government to maintain control or civil affairs might have been caused by the allied, allied bombing of the German cities or uprising millions of foreign forced laborers working in German factories. Um, uh, Germany, sorry, German Army officers General Frederick Olbert 
and Major General Henning von Traskow and Colonel Klaus von Stauffenberg modified the plan with the intent of using it to take control of German cities, to disarm the SS and arrest the Nazi leadership once Hitler had been assassinated on the July 20th plot. So this was... Okay, yes. so they edited this contingency plan yes. and made it where it wasn't just a backup. Now it was when he leaves, we want to take out these other people as well. Like they modified the plan is what it sounds like. Yes. They okay. modified it to fit that once Hitler was gone, that they would have control. Right. This group would have control of Germany and they'd retake it from him. Right. Because they didn't believe in what Hitler was doing, his ideology. And once they figured out the atrocities that were happening, truly happening. I mean, obviously when you're a soldier in war, it's different, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Right. You're just fighting for your country. But then when you start to realize the real stuff going on, mm-hmm. it's kind of what turned a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Hitler's death as opposed to his arrest was required to free German soldiers from their oath of loyalty to him. So that was also another key important part of why they needed to assassinate Hitler, not just arrest him and remove him. They, like they took the soldiers took an oath, like a very special oath to him. Um, so they couldn't write That was the only way out of, yes. Uh, having a civil war maybe. Yes. Yeah. Exactly, which Got is it. a fine line for this coup. Um, the main player in the attempt was Klaus. Uh, he had risen up in the ranks and joined the army, thinking that uh, becoming an officer at the time made Germany more stable. He truly believed that he was making a difference by joining, that he was, you know, he was keeping the civil unrest away. Um, following the outbreak of war in 1939, Stauffenberg and his regiment took part on the attack of Poland. Uh, he supported the occupation of Poland and its handling by the Nazi regime and was uh, the use of Poles as slave workers to achieve German prosperity. So, again, he was, he was in the ranks. He wasn't exactly on the right side of history either, 100%. Yeah. But, again, like, becoming a soldier, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, like, follow your duties kind of stuff. Um, it's kind of hard to yeah. um, be any part of that and feel like, any part of it is going to have a horrible side to it, you know? Oh, for sure. It just comes with the territory. And so, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think, um, just again, off my initial thought of this plot, it never was in my mind. Oh, these guys were compl- like, they weren't, um, abetting and helping like this cause. Right. Like, like it was always a, they wanted power. That was how I had it framed in my mind. Sure. It was like a power grab more than it was a, it was almost, it wasn't so much a, we're doing this just to, because it needs to be done and it's the right, right. thing to do. So yeah, that doesn't surprise yeah. me to hear that. But he from had what a, I read, he had a, a bad side. Again, like he was in the army, he was doing things on behalf of his country. I have, we don't really know for sure his true mindset of who he was or, um, you kind of acted out though, don't you? What? You kind of acted out. Like if you're, if you're in that kind of world, yeah. You're acting like whether you think you believe something or you don't, sure. you're acting it out. So therefore you you yeah. believe it, you know, yeah. in that in that moment you're acting it out, you're believing it enough to do it. Yeah. Whether through fear or not, you're doing it. So That's very true. Um, um so the deeply rooted belief that uh common in German aristoc- aristocracy, I think uh, I can't even say that word. It's okay. Uh common in the German that, group, right? Yeah, was that <laughs> eastern territories populated uh, predominantly by Poles and partly absorbed by Prussia and portions of Poland um, should be colonized. So they, they thought this should, this was like a dutiful thing. They yes. thought it, they already agreed with this section. They thought this needs to be done. To be done. Got yes, it. absolutely. Um, his uncle together with uh, Fritz Dilloff von der Slaudenberg. Man, these names. You just got to go with confidence. <laughs> you got to just uh, power through with confidence and, and yeah. no one's going to, I don't think we're going to, you know, cut you down over it. Of course. Name, so. uh, had approached him before to join the resistance movement against the Hitler regime. And it was only after the Polish campaign that Stauffenberg began to consider it. Hmm. So he was seeing these things too, and it was slowly trying to change his mind. Um, according to Hoffman, uh, citing Brigadier Oscar Alfred Berger's letters, Stauffenberg had commented openly on the ill treatment of the Jews when he expressed outrage and shock on his subjects to follow the officers to the headquarters um, in the Ukraine. 
During the summer of 1942, Stauffenberg's friend, Major Joachim Kuhn, was captured by the Red Army. During interrogation on the 2nd of September in 1944, uh, Kahn claimed that Stauffenberg had told him that they are shooting Jews in the masses and these crimes must not be allowed to continue. So in September 2nd, when he was being interrogated, that, that might have been what I think I read or, or came across as well, that it was near the, like, again, if this is 44, right? It started at 39? This is in 42, um, actually. 42, okay, so three years in. Yeah. Yeah, so that's when it starts to come to light of, wait a minute, this is happening right now. Right. Yeah, okay. And so... With, Just framing it in my mind right. so I can kind of So understand. with these outbursts, um, some of his friends who were in the higher-ups trying to protect him a little bit from his outward spoken against some of these things happening in the war, uh, they kind of sent him off to the farthest place that they can ship him. Yeah. Uh, so they sent him to uh, Tanzania? Tanzania. Tanzania in 1942. Okay. Uh, so in November of 1942, the Allies landed in French North Africa with the 10th Panther Division. Uh, so he, w- he became an officer in the Panther Division. Mm. Um. So, Stravenberg was promoted after that, uh, became lieutenant colonel of general staff, and was sent to Africa to join the 10th Panzer Division as operations officer in the general staff. So, he was quickly moving up the ranks, even though he was kind of being pushed out for his views. Yeah. Um, they put him away from that action. They did. They didn't want him too close where those things could come back to bite him, some of his friends, because um, yeah. they liked the guy. Uh, on, on the 7th of April... In 1943, Stauffenberg was involved in driving from one unit to another, directing the movements uh, of the Panzer Group. Um, Oh, here we go, just a second. Uh, Oh, here we go. So during that movement on April 7th, uh, he was attacked by Kitty Hawk fighters, bombers of the... uh, Desert Air Force, most likely Squadron Number Three of the Royal Australian Air Force. So he was basically strafed uh, with the guns there, and he was injured. He re- he received multiple severe wounds. Stauffenberg spent three months in a hospital in Munich, where he was treated. Um, but apparently, he lost his eye, and he lost uh, I think his left hand, okay. and a couple fingers on his other. Um, so yeah, so. Sorry, go, go, for ahead. It. go for it. Uh, Stauffenberg lost his left eye, his right hand, and two fingers on his left hand. Uh, he jokingly remarked to his friends that he never really knew what to do with all so many fingers, though he still had them. But uh, his injuries afterwards, he was awarded the wound badge in gold on the 14th of April for his courage. So he actually won an award <laughs> yeah. for it, for surviving. But this is, was kind of the beginning. So he already had dissentment a little bit about everything going on. But for rehabilitation, Stauffenberg was sent to his home, uh, to one of his castles. I, I think he came from a, a very, like, a big line in German history. Okay. A very, like, political, powerful line. Uh, initially, he felt frustrated not to be in the position to stage the coup himself. Uh, but by the beginning of September 1943, after somewhat slow recovery from his wounds, he was uh, propositioned by the conspirators and was introduced to another person, Henning von Truskow, as a staff officer to the headquarters and was charged with training soldiers to reinforce, reinforce first-line divisions at the front. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and then as early as September 1942, Stauffenberg was considering Hans uh, to be the replacement for Hitler. So his friend that promoted him he kind of wanted him to be the next replacement. Yeah. Uh, from the beginning of September in 1943 until the 20th of July, 1944, Stauffenberg was the driving force behind the plot to assassinate Hitler and take control of Germany. His resolve, organi- organizational abilities, and radical approach put an end to the inactivity caused by doubts and long discussions on whether the military virtues had been made obsolete by Hitler's behavior. So, yeah, as, as you would do, there's a lot of like, should we do this? Yeah. Indecision. And he was one of the lead guys pushing for this. Yeah, he's kind of the backbone to keep people yes. on, on target. That's right. All okay. Right. That uh, makes sense. So uh with the help of his friend, Henning von Truskow, he united the conspirators and drove them into action. Uh 
Strafford was also aware that under German law, he was committing high treason. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This was, this is bad news. Um, yeah, this is a dangerous situation. Yes. Strafenberg's part in the original plan required him to stay uh, in the offices in Berlin so he could phone regular army units all over Europe and attempt to convince them to arrest the Nazi leaders. Uh, but unfortunately, when General Hellsmouth's stealth chief of operations, there's a lot of names in here, sorry, uh, who had regular access to Hitler, backtracked from his earlier commitment to assassinate him. Well, yeah, that's a big commitment. Yes. So. Uh, Stauffenberg was forced to take on two critical roles. Kill Hitler far from Berlin and trigger the military machine in Berlin during the office hours. Uh, besides Steff, he was the only conspirator who had regular access to Hitler. So it was kind of put on his shoulders anyway that it was going to have to be him Yeah, to do it. Which sounds like that's what he wanted. Yes. It, he definitely wanted to, but I think it was more about the positions and the right way to do it. Because obviously this is very uh, in-between moment. Like, is this go really bad or really good? Yeah. Um, delicate. Yes, very delicate situation. So it became very apparent that he was the only person for the job and he had to do it himself. Right. So I think we're going to take a break here and we get straight into uh, the actual plot itself. Sounds good. The day. And we're back. Thank you for listening to that ad. If there was an ad, I say this every time, <laughs> but it helps support the podcast. It does. Um, along with giving us a like or rating or review or following us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, all at Casual X History. Today we're talking about the plot to assassinate Hitler. Um, yes. If you haven't heard, um, that's what we've been talking about, even though we're 20 minutes in. So I doubt you <laughs> haven't heard what we've been discussing. Um, but we're just now getting to the really juicy part, the actual the attempt itself. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the stuff you want to know. That yeah. was all like backstory. This is, you know, stuff you Kinda need to know. Kind of the backstory of the descent of Stauffenberg. Reasons why he he started to um, he, question. It, he questioned and then he became the person to try to get this in action. Like it felt like what it seems to me, just as my kind of interpretation, sure. overview of it all, he... First of all, he started rising up in the ranks because he thought it was something he should do. Yes. Um, and then as he was in in the ranks, he started seeing some horrible things, even though he did some horrible things in, in, to the Polish people. And of course. His own right. But he started seeing that they were um, assassinating Jews by the thousands of thousands. Um, and he started to grow dissent, got shoved away. Is yes. my interpretation shoved away, pushed away from the main action, even back home, um, and he did well enough through there, rose through even more ranks of um, the hierarchy of the German army, war yes. machine, of course, um, and lost a few uh, fingers, lost a hand, lost an eye. Yes, <laughs> got sent back home. Has been recovering from that. So picture this man now, like eye patch. You uh, know what I mean? <laughs> Tom Cruise played him, if I'm correct, in a movie. Yeah. I think so. I'm pretty sure he did too. Um, um, and so at this point, he's he's trying to rile up his the anti-Hitler base within the the machine. Yes. Um, and he's trying to coordinate it, and then he ends up basically coming to the conclusion that he has to be the one to do it because um, yeah, he got he got promoted from that far off position into a higher leadership role. Kind of put him in that position. Yes, where he was the only person in this kind of co-conspirator group that uh, was in the briefings with Hitler on a, on a daily basis. Right. So, so he got placed in the action, and it all kind of came to serendipitous moment, I would feel, if I was yes. him. He started to grow dissent. That it was meant to be him. Right. But he kind of worked his way there. Like, he, as in, he did. He grew, obviously ranked up. So he was a successful, the war campaign, oh, whatever yeah. he was doing. He was very successful in Tanzania. It's successful is such a weird yeah, word I know. to use. I hate that too. But, um, it, but so he, he did and he became placed in his vicinity daily mm -hmm. or weekly, however often he was. Sure. And so he was like, I got to be the one to do it. This has to be the day. So the fateful day arrived. Right. And uh, yeah, so after, and also just to point out, Stauffenberg wasn't, just planning on trying to get rid of Hitler. He was trying to get rid of uh, a couple of the major leaders with him. Right. Like, he, he, well, like Goring and Himmler. Yeah. On top of it. Yeah. Because he believed that what could happen is if he did take out Hitler, 
that it could possibly lead to them becoming the leader. Yeah, and another martyr. Yeah, and, and so then, it just becomes, it, yeah. uh, the machine keeps going. Yeah. And so he felt like he needed to try to get uh, all of them at the same time, and that they wouldn't have too many shots at this, which is wild. Wild. Um, so uh, after several unsuccessful attempts by Stroffenberg to encounter Hitler, Goring, and Himmler at the same time, he went ahead with the attempt at the Wolf's Lair, uh, which is the translation for what they called the meeting room for uh, Hitler, the area. Right. On July 20th, 1944, Stroffenberg entered the briefing room carrying a briefcase containing two small bombs. Uh, apparently he had got them from the British who had kind of helped them. Yes, I didn't know that. So he, he was in contact with I believe so. The they got they needed a, a bomb with a fuse. And I believe uh, at the time, like, there was something with uh, the German bombs that they couldn't get their hands on that had a long enough fuse that would work. They needed, like, to be able to leave the building uh, without that going off. Right. So they needed, like, a 30-minute fuse. So he was trying to survive. He was, this oh, wasn't yes. just uh, This was not like a, uh, he was trying to kill himself along with it. That's no. what it sounded like. No, no, no. This man uh, was trying to get out in his plan. Um, but he entered the briefing room carrying a briefcase containing the two small bombs. Uh, the location had unexpectedly been changed uh, from the subterranean concrete building to uh, a wooden hut due to the heat on this summer's day. So this also leads to a very fateful moment later on. Hmm. Uh, yes, which this room was apparently had windows. It was like Plenty. less fortified. You right. would think would be more vulnerable. Not more. Everything. It sounds like if it was a bomb, it almost has more places. Like if you're in a concrete bunker and a bomb goes off, you're gone. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, so w- it sounds like this is the exact reason he lived. They believe <laughs> that if the bomb went off in the concrete building, everybody inside that entire room would be gone. Sound yeah. I, I don't. It sounds like that. Um, My little knowledge of <laughs> how bombs. Oh, work. how bombs work. Yeah. Uh, I just so, know concrete. Yeah. Condensed space. There's nowhere for that explosion to go. Not out through the windows. Just like yeah. it's gonna fill the whole room. Also, imagine the mindset of walking in. Uh, walking in. This is this is the Nazi army. Do you think he sweat a gallon, <laughs> dude? I Do you think I would he be ate sweating or a gallon. Slept the night before. No. He's Dude. on like some sort of something. Some uh, just pill. walking and looking at everybody's faces, knowing what you're about to do and them not, like had to be terrifying. Yeah. So he brought bombs to do like if he was caught anywhere beforehand, he's done. Well, I, I Dude's don't, dead. Well, he has the perfect cover. He this guy looks like a uh, first of all eyeless with an eye patch on. Like <laughs> he looks like a yeah. man of the war. Like he seems like he's given. He's committed. Right. He's, committed. he's won a That's medal. Yeah. He seems like a person that would be trustworthy. Right. right. He seems like a commander. He's given his limbs and yeah. like eye for it. He seems like yeah, he should be in here. He's given his body for it. He's committed to it. Exactly. You wouldn't really suspect this guy to be. Um, the dude to try someone to, that had some dissent with everything happening going on yes. yeah and but i just i can only imagine the stress of walking into a building with other army officers and you holding two bombs in your backpack yeah um briefcase briefcase yes in the briefcase uh so yes so when he got in the building uh getting ready to go into the meeting uh he quickly told one of the people like hey is it okay if i change shirts i wasn't aware <laughs> Uh, I need to dress up a little bit. Yeah. And they were like, sure, use the back room, just be quick. And so uh, when he left the room to arm the bomb with specifically adapted pliers, this was a difficult task for him because he had lost his right hand and only had three fingers on his other hand. Um, The guard knocked in the middle of this while he was in the back room and opened the door, urging him to hurry as the meeting was about to begin. Stravenberg... uh, literally was like holding the door closed on him with the bomb on the other side. Like who's he, t- who told this story? Does he live? I don't know this story. So let's, let's we'll, keep going. We'll find out. I was like, who, t- who tells this? Yeah. He has to be the one to tell this because who else knows that? Yeah. Well, okay. he, yeah, he pushes through. Uh, he almost walked in on him. Yeah. Arming this bomb. But because of that, because they got hurried up by this person, um, Stroffenberg was only able to, to arm one of the bombs instead of both. Oh. Yes. Wow. And so, and 
the back the second was a backup plan like he wasn't meant to do both at the same time but they were kind of uh he would brought one them. not explode the other no it would i didn't mean that as in like they wouldn't use both oh. but it was like a backup like they believed the one bomb would do the job if they did it right the, well, this is my, wouldn't the one bomb explode the second bomb anyway regardless so who okay. needs to arm both bombs okay well do you know what i'm saying yeah i don't, I don't know, know how they were together works. okay um okay that's something we'll just have to gloss over because i don't know either <laughs> uh so anyways he left the second bomb with uh Vern von hafton his friend who was in on it with him so it was him and some other person uh, they both carried bombs. Oh, okay. So that they were separated. Right, 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 right. Right. Okay. And I think they were planning on both doing it themselves mm-hmm. separately in the same room. But because they were hurried, they only got one armed. So they were like, we just have to go. We have to. We have to keep going. Hope we get close enough to him. Yep. And so, uh, so he left the bomb with him and uh, returned to the briefing room where he placed the briefcase under the conference table as close as he could to Hitler. So he was literally in the same room as Hitler um, with a bunch of people. They were over discussing the war plans with him. Apparently he liked to be super like up to date with everything going on, of course. And uh, yeah, I think he was like, I believe from the story I read, he was like three people down from him. Mm -hmm. So he's pretty close. Yeah. He was very close to him. But also the table in this room, just to describe. I was just about to say, Mm -hmm. I feel like putting it under the table is a bad decision. Where are you going to put this backpack? On top of the table? Not a, not on top of the table, but to the side of the table, down, or drop it behind somebody. You know, like it may be more obvious the that wall, way. Maybe might be a little bit more obvious. But the room a, was filled with like. And someone asked you to go. Hey, twelve to thirteen people. Is that and you go grab the briefcase. Like okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. So he would uh, have been dead if I were involved. <laughs> this this table was a a big wooden table, but it also had the legs. Uh, on each side where Hitler standing was in the middle, of course, and three people down from Hitler on that side where he had placed a briefcase was uh, on the inside of the leg. So to imagine, here's the leg, briefcase, then Hitler's right over here. Yeah, so it's on the so in, inner. Yeah, it's on the in, like, yeah, inside, it's closer yeah. to him. I can picture that. So as he's sitting there, he's trying not to be conspi- like suspicious. He slowly puts his backpack underneath, kind of shoves it under. Briefcase. Briefcase. <laughs> briefcase. He shoves Just the briefcase underneath there uh, and tries to get away. Yeah. Um, what is it? I need to go to the bathroom. Like, what's the... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think he used an excuse. I think he was just in there for 10 minutes, nervously, and then was like, I need to head out. I got something that I got to do. <laughs> you got something you got to do. They're making plans for what you got to do, son. <laughs> this is the... So, Yes, war room but this is... it said some minutes later he excused himself and left the room so it doesn't really say whether he used an excuse yeah or what it was but uh, after his exit the briefcase was moved uh the person that he was right next to who filled his vacant spot right next to the third person down from hitler um actually saw it was at his feet and just kind of moved it to the other side of the table leg so he moved it on the other side of this wooden leg uh-huh um Yes, and so after the exit was moved uh, by Colonel Heinz Brandit, not knowing what the briefcase was. Can you imagine if it got foiled? Like if it got stopped? If, he, if someone was like, what's his briefcase? And was like, whose is this? And no one answers. They're like, well, open it up. See whose it is. And then they <laughs> see that and they stop it. And then they're like, this was Lufenberg or Laufenberg, however you say his name. Strauffenberg, yeah. Strauffenberg, Lufenberg, sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, Strauffenberg yeah. was here. This is, like, can you imagine that? And if he got caught midway, yeah. oh yeah, dude. Honestly, the like, chances of that. Think are about high. the think about the paranoia of this. What if Brandit picked it up, right, and opened it up himself there in the middle of the room? Yeah. Like he would look like the person trying to do something. Like everybody would be under suspicion. Yeah, no, I'm I can't sure. imagine the aftermath of whatever that would be. Well, I'm sure this already caused. Well, continue. I'm yes. sure we'll hear about that. <laughs> So when the explosion tore through the hut, Stroffenberg was convinced that no one in the room had survived. Uh, through f- though four people were killed and almost all the survivors were injured, Hitler himself was shielded by the blast by the heavy, solid oak conference table leg. So because it was on the other side of the leg, that's what they believe stopped Hitler from being killed by this bomb. Or injured. Yes. Was he not he injured, was injured at all? He injured his arm. But he used it. 
That's the thing about Hitler, too. He later used it where he tried to hide it by putting his arm. His arm was in a, like a sort of sling, I guess. Uh-huh. And so in his jacket, like he, would just, he was kind of doing it as like a pose, like a symbolic thing yeah. for other people and just pretended that like the reason why I didn't get hurt from this bomb was because I have a destiny. And that's why you should follow me. That's why you should believe me. He used it as propaganda for himself. It was enough to kill four people. Yes. What, what, what was Hitler's mindset? Like, what happened after that? Like, did he go through? Like, I imagine Lufenberg, Stroffenberg, yes. ran? Like, yes. just left? They immediately went through the checkpoints, ran away. I think they got stopped at the last checkpoint for, like, for two seconds. And they, were, they had the second bomb with them. So they got stopped at the last uh, blockade point. Out of this little zone? War, zone? Yes. They were like, they were extended zones with uh, what you would picture uh, guards. Like gates. And, yeah, gates, yeah, yeah, just gates that you would walk through, several yeah. of them. Obviously, the high security there. And uh, yeah, the other person that was with him was holding the second bomb still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if they got stopped at all or searched, that they were, they were done for already. Um, but luckily, the, the last people that stopped them knew Stroffenberg as a good guy. Yeah. And let him through and was like, okay, it. no problem. Let him through. This dude lost an eye for us. Yeah. And, and, as, and as they drove away, uh, his friend literally threw the bomb into the woods. <laughs> yeah. As they were driving. Yeah. So they wouldn't get caught. So that's what's happening while the explosion went off and the aftermath is all happening at this hut. Um, yeah. If, 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 if I'm in that position... As it, well, I guess in either position. But if I'm Hitler, that's a horrible thing to say. But like, if like, like, what do you th- like? What is going through that guy's mind at that moment, right? If if all he, he wakes up from, I'm assuming goes unconscious, maybe for a second, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Like everyone in that room, suspicious as fuck. Yeah, I would. Who I did would, it? Yeah, who? What just happened? I I almost feel like that definitely had to heighten his paranoia. Oh, dear his, God, yeah. Um. Which is a reason why I think he, I think that's part, everything I remember reading that like attributed, but I just am really interested to know, I wish there was an account of Me too. what he said or did after. Yeah. Because I feel like it, that would, that's a monumental shift right there in oh, yeah. your psyche of this man who's already deranged, you know, yeah, oh, this yeah. pushes you over that level. It has to, man. It right. Has to. Those are, these it's are the traumatic. people that you trust. It's, yeah. You it, believe I've vetted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't only imagine. In your safest spot, you think, right? You're yeah. In, you're in your territory. You're in your layer. Your warf- yes, wolf layer. Your like layer. You're in your. I mean, he was a supervillain. No, I mean, no. A wolf layer, layer is like, isn't that the name of the? Yes. Well, that's, that's what it translated to. Yes. But that's the different place. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think I understand that correctly. Um, but he's, he he's in the most center place. Like in his mind, I am at the center of my power. I am safe. Yes. I have all of my generals around me. We are mm-hmm. in the most like. The most left field thing happened. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. I just am so curious. And you know, to know, like in this article too, it mentioned that like Hitler knew about dissent, knew about some kind of rebel groups happening. Yeah. So the he was already kind side. of a little bit por- like paranoid from it. Yeah. Right. Like he was already a little like aware. So I can only imagine when he woke up, like what the aftermath of anybody that was alive. That deranged was, like, man pushed towards more deranged uh, like i guess psychotic i guess so but as uh Stroffenberg and hafton quickly left and drove to a nearby airfield um after his re- return to berlin Stroffenberg immediately began to motivate his friends to initiate the second phase the military coup against the nazi leaders so he was already he believed on his way out too it was said that he saw a gurney carrying out someone covered in hitler's coat and so he believed 100% that Hitler was dead. Yeah. Like Stroffenberg, when he left, they believed they had did it. Uh, they didn't get the other people, obviously, that weren't there at the meeting. But uh, they pretty sure that they were successful at the point, which they weren't. Right. And I guess you wouldn't know. It's not like there's going to be no news about this either. They're going to no, want to keep no, this no. close to the vest that this even happened because this shows that he's weak or that it's, his empire is not That's as right. solid. So as he was announcing this, right, and starting the second phase of, like, continuing the plan, um, that's when Joseph uh, Goebbels announced by radio that Hitler had survived. He literally had Hitler talk on the radio to say that he had survived this assassination attempt and that he was unharmed 
and yeah. untouched by this. Basically, I'm. Yeah. So yeah. can you imagine? Oh God, dude, just a heart sinks. Like, yeah. You put everything on the line. Imagine for that. his voice coming over the radio, dude. Yeah. Exactly. Ugh. Like you can't fake that. Like you could have officers be like, "Hitler's still alive. Everybody's fine." But so does does this not get into? I'm pretty. Is this maybe it's after this point? But I could have swore I've read. I've, I'm sure there's a lot of myths around Hitler as well. But that he had fake Hitler. He had lookalikes. He had decoys in multiple areas, places, and he had maybe up to twenty or eighteen or something. Some crazy number of decoys of himself. To so people couldn't quite really know it was like a similar, but it wasn't him, right? right? But it was enough to make people think he was other places, and that if something were to happen, um, it I wouldn't really be him. No, I know this story doesn't talk about that, but I believe this was the true. This was Hitler. This was like yeah, the true no, Hitler. No, I, I think that that yeah, that makes sense. Yes, I just I wonder if this is what led to maybe the oh. story that I've heard. That like him starting this maybe maybe idea. it happened before this and this was just this was really him yeah but in my mind I'm gonna have to find this and maybe um, absolutely something to talk about later but um, it was a really interesting piece of information yes so, so he he travels out he gets past the checkpoints and yeah, he gets, he gets on a flight to Berlin. to Berlin and he's thinking he's successful yep starts saying guys okay now's the time he's gone yeah, Hitler's dead we got to do this right and then all of a sudden his voice comes on the radio yep. And you're like, wow, yeah. And he, he he's what? What happens to him? Does he go live in England or? Well, that's what that's what comes next. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So announced by the uh, on the radio that Hitler had survived. Later, after Hitler spoke on state radio, the conspirators realized that the coup had failed. Uh, they were tracked to Bandler Tross offices and overpowered after a brief shootout during which Stauffenberg was wounded in the shoulder. Huh. So they, they tracked him down. They figured out who, that it was him. Because he left. Yes. And they figured out it was him. Yeah. They tracked him down. There was a brief shootout, and he got injured. Uh, in an attempt to save his own life, co-conspirator General Frederick Fromm, commander-in-chief of the replacement army, uh, char- uh, charged other conspirators in an impromptu court-martial and condemned the ring- ringleaders of the conspiracy of death. So basically, he turned his back on him when he realized that it failed. Mm. Um, Stauffenberg, his aide, First Lieutenant Werner von Hoften, General Frederick Albert, and Colonel Albert Mertz uh, were executed at 1 a.m. in the morning on the 21st of July, 1944, by a makeshift firing squad in the courtyard, uh, which was lit by headlights of a truck. Wow. Uh, Stauffenberg was third in line to be executed with Lieutenant von Hoften af- after. Uh, however, when so it was... So who gave him up? How, how did they I'm find I'm sure him? they just tracked him down. They knew he left, and he came in with a briefcase. I mean... They somehow found out where he was going, and... Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, Straffenberg was third in line to be executed with Lieutenant Von Haften after. However, when it was Straffenberg's turn, Lieutenant Von Haften placed himself in between the firing squad and Straffenberg and received the bullets meant for him. Wow. Um, Holy hell. Yeah. When his turn came, because it still yeah, I mean, they still went. That, but Stauffenberg spoke his last words, which uh, the translation leads out to "Long live our sacred Germany." Wow, and it was executed. Um, wow, I do want to put in here just real quick. Yeah, um, Gustav Weller was a doppelganger of Adolf Hitler, and he occasionally stood in for Hitler and was used as a political decoy for security reasons. Interesting. Um, just, and I think at one point. The U.S. Army thought we killed Hitler. Says Willow was killed outside of um, Reich Chancellery with a gunshot wound to the head, um, and and then troops hold, held a fol- holding a photograph of Adolf Hitler. However, Hugh Thomas reported in 1995 that Willow was found alive after the war. So it was again. Wow. It's like yeah. decoys, man. Yeah. Political that's crazy. decoys. That makes sense, though. Yeah. That makes sense that that would work. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yes. he he last words. Long live my right. sacred Germany. And so Fromm ordered that the executed officers receive an immediate burial with military honors. Oh, what? Yes, this is what, this is what Fromm's was. However, the next day, Stauffenberg's body was exhumed by the SS, stripped of his medals and insignia, and cremated. Mm. So in very... Uh, Low terms in their mind, yeah. Yes. Uh, many have argued... Uh, 
that for the tiniest quirks of chance, Hitler would have died that day. Uh, the, the war in Europe would have ended nearly a year sooner and millions of lives would have been saved if he had died. Yeah. Uh, millions. Wow. But there is a counterintuitive and surprisingly strong case that even if Hitler had been killed on the July 20th blast, the coup would have set in motion would have failed. And Hermann and Goring, Hitler's second in command, uh, Chief SS and Gestapo, would have emerged firmly in control of the Nazi regime and every bit is fanatical and determined to fight uh, for him. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Who knows if that would have stealed some sort of resolve into people that were his fanatics? Like, sure. who knows? I mean, it was already horrible and it already is horrible, but mm-hmm. I just, you, it's easy to speculate that it would have just all ended up fine, which it might have just stopped it in its tracks, but... There's a lot more going on. Exactly. Which is what my first thought after reading that story, which I thought was so interesting, was like, okay, I want to look up what would have happened if you would have died. Like, what wars would have not have been placed? Right. Uh, like, obviously, you can't say that for certain because just like that, they're saying happened, yeah. very likely that the coup, military coup could have failed. Um, lots of things could have fallen through and just ended up the same. Yeah. But uh, it's interesting to think about the alternatives. Yeah. Um. And so I was looking up, well, what would be the alternatives if Hitler died? You know, like how many people would live? And supposedly millions. Wow. And so that was determined because the briefcase was behind a wooden leg. Yeah. That was literally the difference. And they believe that the wooden room, the change of location is what kept Hitler alive. If this happened in the concrete bunker, every single person in that room would have been gone. And if you look at the picture of the room, it looks pretty destroyed. Oh, yeah. It's, it looks pretty. Um, we're going to attach it to our Facebook and Twitter when we post this podcast. But like, yeah. it looks um, decimated. So it's kind of crazy. And it looks oh, like yeah. it was burned. Obviously, it was on fire. Yeah. Um, so not only did the blast not do anything, the fire obviously got out. Obviously, there's enough people to pull him out. I don't. I just. I'm wonder. I wonder what, about the aftermath. Exactly. Yeah, I wonder about the aftermath. I. I don't know. I don't know if uh, people were obviously people were on the other side of him. Uh, there's gotta be people outside the him. door, I guess, too. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 I'm, I mean, I'm sure there were people around everywhere. So, but I thought it was a very interesting story, and I had obviously heard light stuff about it. Um, and mm. then there are also multiple attempts on Hitler's life. Like apparently, a carpenter got close enough to him during a speech once. Um, that it almost happened then too. So like history had a lot of bouts, uh, with chance, with chance with Hitler. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought it was fascinating and a cool little story to tell. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a thought provoking, um, story, but I, I, like I said, I only knew pieces and kind of the overview of it. Right. Um, so to know that it was really by small movements of the briefcase that might have changed everything oh yeah is kind of a bizarre um bizarre thing the people that like i looked this up from truly believe that like if it was on the other side where he placed it Mm -hmm. it would have worked yeah it was literally because the person that came into his spot moved that around not knowing yeah um that's literally what saved hitler's life and he later used it as propaganda for himself yeah that this was just proof of his divine uh destiny that this is what he was supposed to be doing. That's why he didn't get hurt from, look at the room. It was destroyed. Look yeah. at the people killed. I was untouched. Yeah. You know what I mean? And was used later on. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting and crazy. Yeah, it is a crazy story. Um, I would love to get, uh, there's so many stories within the World War II zone. There's so much. So I couldn't much even cover. So much that happened. Like so much that happened that it would be um, something I think we should piece out and to try to, give more information for people who are interested in that because oh, I, I know I am I think in general though if people are interested in like a real as close to um, real footage and kind of timeline that you want there's mm-hmm. a good Netflix documentary again I said at the front but World War II in, in color yeah um, is really I need really to watch great. that myself it's really great that's that's the thing it's like I would love to have more on this just because I don't I don't know a lot like that's just the truth like I, yeah. I don't know a lot about the war in general I was pretty obsessed with it. Like, yeah, I'm not you, gonna lie. I knew you were like you went down the rabbit hole with it. Once, I which... I was really obsessed with it, um, and that's why I would love to maybe go into because like I guess there's so much within the uh, this amount of time that I would love to maybe go back through. But oh, this yeah. is a really good story about kind of a micro microcosm of yes. like 
uh, all Good the word, other the stuff <laughs> that has happened and was happening at the time, this little pinpoint yeah. that it was teeter-tottering that on history left or right, you know. Could have changed. That's what fascinates me the most, man, is like when little tiny quirks of things happen in history that literally could have flipped the switch. Yeah. Like that could have flipped the switch. Who knows what would have happened yeah. from then on. Uh, yeah. I think that's a crazy thing in history. I, I find those moments are the most fascinating. The ones that are the most pivotal and like on just like a coin flip. Yeah. I think those are crazy. And they're happened everywhere. Oh yeah. They're all the time. They're scattered throughout all of history. These yeah. kind of moments. So yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Well, thanks for bringing it in. Uh, that's Sunday's podcast. That's right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have listened this far, um, tweet at us or Facebook us and say the word. Uh, <laughs> is this what we're doing? No. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> There's no word you have to say, but give us a shout somewhere. Um, if you've listened this far, it always means a lot to us to kind of uh, see the people that are listening in any kind of format. Um, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Yeah, Jacob's we really pretty appreciate good at responding. You guys. I say pretty good because I've <laughs> tweeted like five times at it, at our casual history. I've gotten nothing back. I haven't responded to you. <laughs> no, I, um, I so, respond to the people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If, you, if you guys want to hear something specific, if you had something specific in mind that you would like to know more about, um, give us a shout. It's my week next Sunday to kind of bring in the story. That's right. I'm still, I have a few things in mind. I've been uh juggling that i kind of have pre-knowledge on that maybe i should give a time like i always love giving a timeline for yeah um, you're good at it, going, man. going in depth but i'm doing next sunday but if someone wants to tweet at us what they want i to be honest with you i'll probably just do that heck yeah so let us know um and we'll yeah. see you next time just tweet us at casual x history on twitter that's and right I'll for sure uh bring the message and we'll do that absolutely thank you guys so much for everything uh for listening and uh, give us a quick like if you can. And Five Minute History on Wednesday. New, new deep dive on Sundays. That's right. We'll see you then. All right. Bye.